Hello, and welcome to the RP HealthCast by Rooney Partners. I'm your host, Jeffrey Friedman. If you follow the financial markets, it seems that any piece of significant news right now creates a larger-than-normal swing in stock and index prices. But, I mean, this is understandable. People are nervous right now. In general, market players are always nervous about not being in the game and missing a big run. But if you combine that with a crazy pandemic and an ugly political season, you really need nerves of steel to even be playing at all. I mean, there's so many huge levers that could be pulled at any moment that could create big change. I mean, big ticket items that can affect our economy. Like, what's going to happen if there's a U.S. presidential change? Or if there's a change to the control of Congress? I mean, things like what would happen if our employment numbers don't continue to dramatically rise? Or what will happen to our economy or even entire industry sectors like travel or entertainment if there's a delay in creating or distributing a vaccine? Well, to answer all these questions and to break this down for us is our guest this week, Larry Light. Larry's a 30-year veteran of the financial markets, and he's written for institutions such as The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Business Week, and Money Magazine. Larry's currently the markets editor for a chief investment officer and a writer for Forbes.com. Larry, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Now, Larry, you've been a financial writer for over 30 years, and you've written for the likes of Business Week, Forbes, and The Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. Knowing the markets like you do and what readers want to read, how do you find or identify story ideas for your columns? I mean, there's just so much going on. What do you look for to make an interesting story week after week? Yeah, I mean, right now I work for Chief Investment Officer Magazine. Uh, which has a high-end clientele. So in other words, they're, they're financial professionals. And uh, although it's available to the public, it's, it's a free site. Uh, what I'm always looking for is something that is uh, not what you've read elsewhere. Uh, uh, I try to be contrarian. Now, some contrarians just are just, if you say either, I say, I say either. I want to make sure that if I'm saying that something is not, that there's some aspect of something that's been in the news that you haven't really looked at uh, the way you might, uh, that's, that's fodder for me. For instance, I did a story this week on SPACs, which are, uh, you, you've heard of them, uh, special purpose acquisition companies, which uh, are, are, is the latest alternative to an IPO. And they're very popular. Uh, some uh, with with uh, companies that want to go public, uh, like for instance DraftKings, uh, which is a really hot company because it's online betting uh, sports. Uh, they uh, they went public uh, via a SPAC, but I pointed out that there's some problems with SPACs. Um, it's not as investor friendly as you'd think. It's great for the issuers, but uh, leave something to be desired for the uh, average for the for the, an average or an institutional investor so that's the way I go at it I'm looking for something that uh, you don't know about or you haven't heard about so that's what I try to do and and that's what keeps it interesting now let me ask you with the market you know with, with SPACs coming to market IPOs are flying off the shelf you know like we saw today and almost every morning 
some have argued that the U.S. stock market right now, that it's priced to perfection. I mean, I guess you can always say that, right? I mean, supply always has to equal demand. But from my point of view, with the continued spread of the coronavirus and with about 8.5% unemployment, where's the perfection? I mean, we're trading at almost a 30 times multiple right now. Can you make some sense of this? Sure. Uh, well, the stock market anticipates the future or what it thinks the future will be like. And it's much rosier than life appears to be in the ground in the economy with, as you say, high unemployment uh, with uh, a GDP for the rest of the year projected to be down. Uh, but uh, if uh, the, but the stock market doesn't say, yeah, but it's going to get better. The projections are that uh, the GDP will be down on the third quarter and will be down on the fourth quarter, but not as much. Its descent is slowing. And next year, the projections are that it will be positive GDP. And of course, that's what the stock market anticipates. It also looks at the uh, at the, at the, the virus uh, uh, vaccine efforts and takes heart in that. Uh, there's been a lot of positive noise from the pharmaceutical company about this. And so uh, the stock market looks at that. And, and then, of course, there's one other thing. Uh, the leadership of the stock market, it's dominated by top tech stocks. And uh, the, uh, that's not uh, representative of the entire market, but they're the ones that are winning right now because they're, for the most part, immune from the vaccine, people are staying at home, so they want to be on Facebook more. They're ordering more stuff online, so that helps Amazon, etc. And uh, if you look at, if you back that out uh, of the stock market, the stock market isn't as doing doing as well. Take the S and P 500; it's up over five percent this year. Uh, but if you do equal weighted, uh, it's down four percent. In other words, that the, the outsized asset size of the uh, of the big uh, tech stocks um, is is uh, distorting what we see. So uh, that uh, if, if but the S and P five hundred is 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 uh, it's asset weighted. So Apple, uh, which has you know uh, a, a an asset valuation of, uh, of much more than many countries. Um, uh, is uh, it's just pulling the train, and and its and its brothers are so that uh, and frankly, uh, we saw a hiccup last week for the tech stocks because some thought that they were too uh, they were getting ahead of themselves, but that seems to have turned around because you know they are so popular and momentum is a powerful force. It really is. Now I want to talk about these tech stocks, and we will in a little bit. I want to talk about something you mentioned earlier about pharma companies and they're coming out with good news about a vaccine. And yes, you did mention there was a hiccup where AZ halted their trial and that was bad news. And then they restarted the trial and that was great news. But there's also growing concerns that the election calendar, rather than science, may be driving the timing of an approved vaccine. Now, if these fears are borne out, people are going to be afraid of the vaccine. They're going to avoid it and possibly not take it. And that could prolong the spread of the virus. And that itself would have huge economic consequences. Now, I understand what you're saying about the tech stocks, and they not, may not be hit. 
but it's still our economy, right? People need money to spend and buy the technology. So there, if there was a second wave of the virus in the fall, or if this wave is extended, what would such a scenario mean to the market? I mean, what are the consequences and what are the expectations now? Yeah, well, if, if, if that, that occurs, that, that would count as a surprise. And Wall Street and investors in general hate surprises. And they, they're on line, they're, they're, they have one narrative now and it's popular that everything's going to be fine, everything's going to work out well. But if, as you say, there's a big resurgence of the virus and we can't manage it uh, the way we have been, at least in certain parts of the country, then uh, I think the stock market's going to take a big hit and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So sticking with AstraZeneca and other healthcare stocks, this past week, both political parties had very strong voices about pharmaceutical drug pricing. Do you think that is just political rhetoric, or do you think either administration will really be able to bring a change or have an impact on drug pricing? And I know Trump is now talking about price conformity between countries. Now, if that happens, you know, what would that do to healthcare stocks? Is that priced in right now or not? Not yet, no, because nobody believes it's going to happen. Uh, if, if it does happen, you know, that, that, that again, will be a big downside for, uh, for pharma and healthcare stocks in general. The, the thing is that we, we've been talking about this for a long time. Trump has been saying this for a long time. Even when his party had both houses of Congress, he was saying this, but it never seemed to happen. Why? For one thing, um, the, the pharma lobby is very, very strong. And for another, they make an, an argument, and it's not something that's easily dismissed, and that is that, yes, we pay more for for drugs and for healthcare in general in this country than others do. We don't have uh, as good a health as some of the other countries do, which have quote unquote socialized medicine. But we in effect are subsidizing the healthcare of the world, and especially the pharma side. So um, uh, the, 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 the argument that they, the, drug lobby makes is, look, you want to take that away? We'll just, uh, you know, healthcare won't be as good for all. And besides, in most cases, most people don't pay for healthcare. It's their companies or it's the federal government or it's somebody else. It's a third party payer, so who cares? Uh, and that has, that combination has worked in the past to stymie uh, control of, uh, of uh, pharma prices. And it probably will again. I, I, I'm, I'm highly skeptical that we will ever see, or at least near term, see, uh, you know, government mandates or whatever you want to call it that hold down by, by fiat uh, the prices of drugs because what will happen will be, and, and pharma people aren't wrong, that their innovation won't be as, as robust as it has in the past. Okay, so I guess a lot of rhetoric and both parties have to talk about it. But the ability to take action on it is probably pretty limited. So I guess that's good. So staying with government intervention, uh, I heard a little while ago that the attorney general's office is about to launch or will launch a large antitrust case against Google right before the election. 
Could this also have rippling effects throughout all large tech companies and the FANG stocks or the FANG indexes? Yes. Yeah, so, well, they, they are, uh, a lot of them are under the gun, uh, Facebook in particular, because of politics, because it's alleged and for good reason that it's being used by Russian trolls and whoever else uh, to um, uh, harm our electoral process. But in terms of Google, um, it, it, is, it, it's, it reminds me of the uh, IBM uh, antitrust suit. The, the, the one against, against IBM was in the 60s and 70s uh, against uh, Microsoft in the 90s. And they both emerged. Uh, they paid a fine. They said they weren't going to do certain things. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, but IBM continued for a long time as a dominant player uh, until history just caught up with it, but it had nothing to do with the antitrust. Same thing with Microsoft. Microsoft paid a, a fine of, I don't know, uh, something slightly under a billion dollars, which for them is around here. Um, and so uh, it didn't hurt them. It didn't hurt them at all. But they said, yes, said, okay, fine. Uh, when we have a uh, when we sell a, a, a suite of our of our software, we won't automatically favor Microsoft uh, uh, apps in there. Okay, we'll give you that, but they they, they still went when you know they, they they still were continued to dominate for a long time um, until they granted some trouble. But then they resurrected themselves, you know, by going into the peddling into the cloud. Point is, um, I I don't think that uh, history shows that uh, attacks against uh, big tech uh, ever, ever really works very well. Yes, there'll be some cosmetic changes, uh, but uh, no, the big boys will still be the big boys. Okay, so again, probably a little more political posturing, and if anything happens, it won't be happen for years or until forever. All right, so then let's stay with the political questions. Uh, recent observers and political pundits are raising the concerns that if President Trump wouldn't, doesn't concede the election in a close race, that would prompt a constitutional crisis. Uh, what would happen to the market? Uh, so what, would he, what do you think would happen if the final results dragged out until December? Yeah, that's another one that'll hurt the markets because uh, right now the, the market isn't looking at that, at that possibility. I mean, there's, it's, there's been a lot in the news about, uh, about preparations in both, by, in both parties uh, for uh, litigation, uh, you know, in many states contesting the outcome. <laughs> and wait, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see, uh, to see that kind of a disaster, which will not be good for the markets. But there's one thing. The, the Constitution says that there shall be a new president sworn in on January the 20th. So unless that is somehow changed and I don't see how it can be, there has to be an end point to it. In other words, it can't drag on into the, into the new year, into 2021 and forever month after month, after month, after month, there has to be an end point. And I suspect that we will, if, if, you know, if November the 3rd comes and goes, uh, as it probably will, and there's lots of recounts, and then, and then there's, it's all contested, and then everybody's in court, and whatnot. Uh, I can see that being a, a, a three and a half, or rather, excuse me, a two and a half month nightmare. But then it ends. It'll end somehow. Okay. And being the market looks forward, not present, uh, we'd probably find a lot of volatility, but not necessarily finding a direction swing because of that. Yeah, yeah, but it'll be volatile, all right. So let's talk about a direction swing. So another election scenario, 
suppose there was what they call a blue sweep. If Biden wins and the Democrats reclaim the Senate and retain a House, what would a blue sweep mean for the stock market? I mean, I guess there would be great in some places and it wouldn't be so great in others. I mean, who do you think would be the winners and who would be some of the losers? Yeah, well, um, uh, infrastructure would probably be a big one. Biden wants to spend and uh, so do the Democrats in in the House and the Senate. Um, uh, we have blown through uh, any restraints that we ever had. The Republicans have been happy to go along with it, at least for the first round. And for the second round, it's, it's because we're getting close to the election. They're being much more conservative. And, and, but even so, they, they still want to spend heavily, just not as heavily as the Democrats. So in other words, there's a spending, there's a spending tilt uh, that now is taking effect, and it, it is largely bipartisan. So, uh, if if we get in, um, Biden will uh, will go heavily into infrastructure. He said that uh, we'll probably trim back some of the military spending that Trump has has fattened up, but not not a lot of it. Um, there might be some of the weapon systems might be drawn out in terms of when their delivery dates are, so they don't have to pay as much this year. This kind of thing. They'll play. They'll play games, uh, but I don't see a massive shrinkage of the military. Um, so uh, you, you'll all, you'll also see uh, a bid to enhance uh, Obamacare, uh, which will be costly, and uh, I, I, nobody is talking about a single pair plan other than Bernie Sanders and AOC and those guys. But I suspect the one thing that will come out of it, uh, there will be more healthcare spending, uh, which is good for pharma. It's good for uh, health insurers who will probably be still administering uh, uh, the healthcare system and paying for it. Uh, so those, those would be some of the winners right there. So I've been hearing you say a lot about spending, you know, a lot of spending here and a lot of spending there from the government's perspective, right? From the government, after the pandemic, we've laid out a lot of money. I mean, the only place this money can come from then has got to be from the taxpayer, right? I mean, so if we pay more in taxes, we're spending less money on Main Street. So would there be a negative effect on those other types of retail establishments or retail stocks? Yeah, that, 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 that could happen. I mean, there is, you know, Biden says, and I suspect he'll stick to this because it'd be suicidal, suicidal if he did not, that um, he uh, won't raise taxes on the quote-unquote average American. He'll raise it on the rich folks who can afford it. Besides, they have the smart attorneys. They can get around it anyway. Uh, and he'll raise, and he wants to boost up the uh, corporate income tax it was 35% for a long time and uh, under the Trump tax cut went down to uh, 21 and Biden wants to put it up to 28. Notice not 35. Um, and that one of the reasons it was reduced was so U.S. the U.S. would be more competitive uh, uh, in, in trade terms against countries that have lower corporate income taxes, which is just about everybody else. So, uh, that would still keep us competitive, um, you know. Um, so uh, I, I see a a a, a move to uh, uh, to try to soak the rich, but uh, 
I, I, I think once again, it'll be more, you know, it will be less effective than, uh, than Biden would have us believe. Now, if Trump wins, um, there's going to be, you know, th- there won't be any tax increases at all. <laughs> he wants to give some special tax breaks to, um, to specific industries to help them keep jobs in the United States or possibly return them, which, you know, uh, that'll be a cold day in hell, but um, because it's still cheaper over there than it is here. So I can see, uh, I can see that, uh, that that would just be a, a stasis. Um, whereas Biden will try to increase taxes and may be able to, and, uh, but it, it'll be, its impact will be marginal. All right. So far, all the possibilities we've been discussing suggest a tough stock market outcome for a little while, or at least a ton of volatility and swings. So what's your insight? What will it take for the market to continue this upward trajectory we're seeing? What has to happen for this to work? Well, it, it takes, it, it'll take an effective vaccine. Uh, it'll take uh, an increase uh, in economic activity, people going back to work in, in offices and factories and so forth. It'll take a, uh, a uh, turnaround in the travel industry, although that's going to take a long time. And people don't trust it, and you know a lot of people don't want to get in an airplane. But you know, it, it, but what it takes is is just some notion of an upward trajectory, which we've seen some of, but right now it's mostly based on on, on hope. Uh, but we will have to see uh, some actual increases in GDP as opposed to to drops in GDP. Uh, and it, if, if everything comes true, that and indeed it, it is so important that they get a vaccine that really works. Now, uh, P.S., I don't think that everybody's going to get inoculated at once. I don't want to get inoculated at once. I want to see what happens, you know? Um, and I'm sure a lot of people will be that way. But over time, uh, if more and more, more people get inoculated and it's effective, that will really help. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's great. Um, last question. As the markets now are at all-time highs, and if people are worried about retaining their market gains, if you will, their imaginary gains right now, if they're afraid of this volatility coming and potential short-term dips, what can investors do to protect these gains that they have there? What's your best advice on how to thread that needle? Yeah, a friend of mine said back in April, he said to me, doesn't know much about the stock market, but he said, look, I'm thinking about going all cash. And I said, don't do it. Just stick it out. Um, look, the market goes up, the market goes down. But the, the, the trajectory of the United States since after World War II has been generally a better economy and hence a better stock market. Uh, the only time that we saw a stock market that just went nowhere but down was at was during the Great Depression, from 1929 to I believe 1950. It took till 1929 to 1952 to get the stock market back to 1929 levels uh, because of the Great Depression, and then of course World War II. So, then those were cataclysmic events. Who knows? We might we might have another cataclysmic event uh, that. Dwarf even COVID. Who knows? 
But if things go down, you know, my advice for anybody uh, is just to stick stick with it. And of course, be sure you have a well balanced portfolio. Um, the classic one is sixty forty. Uh, you know, sixty percent stocks, forty percent fixed income or equivalent, uh, and that uh, and that's your ballast when when stocks uh, you know, go into the sub basement. I happen to uh, uh, have a have a none other than Warren Buffett himself who agrees with that. So if it's good enough for Buffett, it's good enough for me. Yeah, and and that would be good enough for me as well. And on that note, Larry, thank you. Glad to be here. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or future story suggestions, please reach out to us on social media. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the RP HealthCast.